Good morning, Mosaic. Welcome to our February 7th Sunday service. We are grateful that you have taken the time to be with us on this day the Lord has made. And that we recognize that it's unlike any other day. There are new mercies that are greeting us, new opportunities to see God and to see ourselves from a different perspective. God created us with hope. God created us with imagination. God uh, had so much and has so much in store for you and for me. And I am thrilled that I get to live it, to live my life with you, even in these crazy times when we have to touch each other through social media, um, through videotapes and whatever. I don't care. I get to spend it with you. And that is wonderful. So join me as we pray for our service. Our God, we thank you so much for life and for hope and the beauty of relationship. We ask your blessing on this service that you will just take control, that you will speak to all of our hearts, Lord, and the things that we need for this day, for this week, for this portion of our journey as individuals, as a community of faith, as spouses and friends and 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 just people who care. May you be glorified in the way we live life together. In Jesus' name, amen. Our sermon today is entitled, Binaries and the Messy Middle. There are no one-size-fits-all procedures, processes, ways of thinking for our faith journey. Now, there are times that I so deeply wish there were, but there aren't. There's no one-size-fits-all. Many of us were raised in churches and family settings that practice binary thinking. 
In this way of thinking, we forced an oversimplification of complex concepts, complex ideas, complex problems into being a matter of choosing either this or that, or a matter of choosing one side or another, thus binaries. You see, there is a good thing about binaries, or a supposed or an illusion of good. The good thing about binaries is that it helps us to feel more secure. Attempting to analyze and work with the varying shades of complexity can be unnerving. Binary thinking doesn't encourage us to recognize that there aren't just two sides to every story. We don't have to face the reality that there are multiple sides stemming from multiple contexts and multiple experiences. How can you know what's right and what's wrong when there's so many variables to deal with? So binary thinking allows us to oversimplify, to create a false knowing and a false way of thinking about the things of life. Now, if you're like me, much of your Christian development and training was focused on knowing what was right and knowing what was wrong. The reducing of my relationship with God and the world to this binary of right and wrong took me captive for far too many years of my life. The longer I stayed active, it seemed, in organized religion, the more following Christ ceased to be a journey of curiosity and discovery about God's interactions with me and others in the world, and life became more of a drudgery that was anchored in judgment. How right could I be in the face of how wrong others or how wrong the world was? How thoroughly, you know, it was kind of based on how thoroughly we could fortify ourselves behind our wall of right and wrong beliefs and practices to insulate ourselves from the world of ever-growing complexity, confusion, and uncertainty. Christ and church became a hideout from living life. The statement or the phrase, uh, make America great again, is a cry for a return to this oversimplification of the issues of life as a group of people, so a group of people can feel safe and secure in the changing dynamics of our country. It in part speaks to a time when everything and every people group had its place and where people knew the order of things and some, not all, liked the way things were. Binary thinking for far too long allowed us to exist in an illusion allowed us to exist in an illusion. We created an understanding of the world that never was. When I hear people talk about the good old days, I can never figure out when that was. It just immediately strikes me as a lie, as an illusion. I've heard people say things like things were simpler then, and the inference is that 
It was simple and somehow better. Now, as a person who experiences existence as an African-American who has lived long enough to be formally called black and then formally called Negro, though I don't remember that, I was a little, the idea of the good old days is preposterous to me. It's ridiculous. The subjugation of my people and other brown peoples was so clear. And the burden placed upon us so heavy. As a person who experiences the world embodied in the female form, I have to throw up my hands at the mistreatment of my gender in times past and the limiting of female potential now. As a person who experiences the world in my effort to follow Jesus, I can't fathom how making anything great again can be. Because we are still striving to make it great the first time. To sustain the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Which, to me, is what defines greatness in human existence. We haven't arrived yet. But it seems there were and are some fighting for the right to binary thinking. We were once great, now we are not. While ignoring the complexities apparent even in their own striving. I say this as I have an image of those white men on the platform of the Speaker of the House praying to God about their right to their whiteness to their maleness, to their being in charge, somehow believing God approved of their behavior, not just approved, but sanctified and ordained it. And I'm befuddled. I love the word befuddled, because it's just so, it just speaks to the feeling of confusion and what, you know, that happens. I'm befuddled. That image for me is filled with so much, so much complexity and irony and a boatload of crazy. So I say again, there are no one size fits all procedures, processes, ways of thinking in our faith journey. Life is complicated. Life is messy. And most of life is lived in the messy middle. I think I get most frustrated with Christians or followers of Christ because we seem to have such difficulty admitting that. For whatever reason, we seem to have felt like we had to have answers to every situation as if our having answers proved or validated God's existence. My effort as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor, as a teacher, is not to help you have all the right answers. It's not even to help you have all the answers. That's not possible. I'd like us to strive to have a set of principles that guide our decision making based on our understanding of who God is so we can process the messy middle, the messiness of life together. That's what God gave us. He said, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Deal. You all deal together and make what I'm giving you 
more together. Binary thinking ignores the mess in the middle, the gray shades of life. When we're stuck practicing either or thinking or this or that or them or us thinking, we aren't really doing much thinking or processing at all. When we yield to binary thinking, we are leaning into stereotypes and generalizations about people and things. We aren't being curious or interested in discovering anything new. We're holding on to or holding out for our assumptions and holding to what we knew in the past, whether it was true or false, because it's familiar. We're fitting our new engagements and new interactions in the world into old boxes. And making assumptions can be very dangerous because instead of being present to what we are actually or what who is actually before us, we end up engaging phantoms. Instead of dealing with me, you engage your thoughts of who you know you think I am and you miss the beauty and the wonder of me all together. We create and participate with phantoms, with illusions. And the result of being, the result is our being um, detached from one another, from people, from experiences. And remember our teaching last year? Being alone, being detached, being separated is not good. That is not the good God intended for you or for me. In fact, it is the opposite of that. It too often leads to conflict, much like the imagined conflicts that were exploited to incite the insurrection. So, what do we do with this? I want to use scripture to show you, to show us, that Jesus dealt with the messy middle because Christians use the scripture far too often to reinforce binary thinking. Jesus did not practice binary thinking but encouraged his followers to think in terms of principles to guide their interactions with one another. I want to talk about this in our church community because as we move forward to intentionally engage issues of race and gender and orientation and economics we might we need to first more than simply acknowledge that there's a messy middle we've got to agree to stay present to one another in the mess it's so easy to abandon one another because of what we're doing is so hard. But we have taken on being a community, as an assignment, as a calling from God. You called me, an African-American woman, to pastor you because you wanted to live out the truth of unity by participating in a just community that we're formed that was formed and we are continuing to form at Mosaic. You came together at Mosaic because you dared to, be to believe that you, gay, non-binary, straight person, you, African, Asian, Latinx, or European person of descent, 
you a person with resources, you a person uh, with new resources, you a person struggling with limited resources, or a person who has what feels like no resources. Be we've come together because you dare to believe that you have a place here where you are free to be your authentic self and add to this community and know that we will all benefit from the unique you, the diverse you, that you bring to our life together. And secondly, I want to talk about this to help us deconstruct or dismantle patterns of behavior and thought which were so prevalent in the past ways we experience Christian life. Ways that don't serve to build up all human humanity, but to separate us. We have to be intentional in our efforts to pull down these strongholds in our lives. And it's something we can't do in isolation. We have to do it together. The embarrassing, hard, messy work together in a loving community that is forgiving and encouraging and supportive and that is ever striving and takes joy that we are in a community that is striving. We don't have to be in a community that's perfect because the effort, the effort means everything. So I'd like to explore a few verses of scripture to help us see that Jesus encouraged us to deal with the messy middle in his teachings. And lastly, I'd like us to use these teachings to develop principles or to develop ways of, of thinking or guides for us in our living of life together. Does that make sense? I hope so. Now, I'm not going to read the scripture word for word. I'd like you to review the scripture during your personal time of study with the Holy Spirit. Yes. I want to encourage you to spend time with God and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. God is the lover of our souls and I want to encourage you to spend time with God. Not like the demand in you know our days of old for that quiet time and how we were raised. I want to encourage you to share your life with God and in and to keep learning and striving to partner in life with the Holy Spirit. So, write down these scriptures and review them and, you know, or um, write, down, write down the scriptures, review them, maybe capture a brief summary of what I'm saying, or we're going to post this on Facebook. So, fast forward, go to Facebook, book, fast forward to this section of the sermon and sit with yourself and with God and review. So let's start. Matthew 5. Jesus begins this section of his teachings in the Sermon on the Mount with the words, You have heard it said. Which basically means, in times past we used to think this way about this issue I'm bringing up, but, and he changes things. In verses 21 through 24, it says, thou shalt not kill. That's simple, right? It's straightforward. 
what is there to change about thou shalt not kill? But, but hear me, thou shalt not kill is more than a demand not to take a life. It is a command to honor life, the honoring of the living. But Jesus offers, you know, new way, a new way or an expanded way of thinking and acting to honor life. He says, don't allow yourself to get angry with your sibling without cause or allow that anger to stretch out over time. It is dishonoring of life. Speak in ways that honor the life of your sibling. Don't devalue each other's lives. The honoring of the life of your sibling is so important, God says, that if you want to honor me by giving me a gift, by giving me an offering, I'm going to tell you this, hold up, put that offering down for a second. I want you to go and clear things up with your siblings. Make peace and then come back and bless me with your offering. You see, this scripture reminds me of the young man who asked Jesus, what's the great, greatest commandment? And he said, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. It's like God was saying, make the circle of love complete. And then you can offer me your gifts in purity, in more completeness, in love. It is not only the love you have for me, but the love you have for my creation. In verse 27 through 29, it says, In times past you heard it said, Don't commit adultery. But here's a plan to help you with the mess in the middle concerning this issue. Listen, don't allow yourself to see your siblings as things to be used for your personal satisfaction and pleasure. Using a sibling in this way is so dishonoring, it would be better to lose your sight than to look and see your sibling as a thing without humanity and without agency. Verses 33 through 37, you've heard it said, don't swear falsely, but here's a new way of thinking about that. Don't go to all these outrageous efforts to show that you're telling the truth. Posturing like that it means nothing and it's just trouble. Do this. When you say yes, mean yes and do what you say. And when you say no, mean no and do what you say. Keep your word. God is going to keep God's word. We need to work to keep ours and not posture, but to do it, to live it. This was so deep in times past. And I can teach more on each of these sections, but it's not for this purpose. But this was so, so deep in times past that they would... The posturing that people did, uh, what they swore by, the, they would have to take it to the rabbi to see if it was legitimate or if it was by a binding kind of thing. Like God is saying, cut out the foolishness. Mean what you say. 
verses 38 through 42. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Or I say it this way, give a, give a guy, give a person as good as you get in a conflict. But now I say to you, give up on retaliating. I want you to view people as so important that, that you put their humanity before your possessions. Your possession of them or your possessions that you own. Don't retaliate. Demonstrate care. Demonstrate love. Demonstrate value. Their value. Jesus' teachings help us move from binary thinking, the this or that, the them or us kinds of thinking, which are anchored in assumptions and stereotypes. Jesus calls us to think in ways that address the messy, gray areas of life in these scriptures by honoring life in ways you address conflict, honoring life in the ways you speak to and about your siblings, and how we value them. Honoring and respecting their humanity and agency. And not manipulating or using them as though they were things given for your personal pleasure or gain. By dealing honestly with our siblings, keeping our word. By not focusing on retaliation and conflict, but figuring out ways that demonstrate that we care for them, that we value them. These are all guiding principles for us to be used to intentionally, to be used intentionally as we seek to live life in community at Mosaic and in West Philly and in the other areas of our lives. It seems simple enough, but it's not easy. We have to uh, consciously practice aligning our behaviors with the guidance Jesus has given us. This is hard to do when every facet of your life and my life has taught us to be selfish, to center ourselves. But now Jesus is asking us to center honoring others. We have a friend, a wonderful coach, who has been directed to come alongside of us in life. Listen, the fact that God is coming alongside of us and not taking over our lives is God demonstrating how to honor humanity and the agency of others. The Holy Spirit is waiting for an opportunity to help you and me. Invite the Spirit to correct you, to teach you as you are living your day-to-day -day life. And I can guarantee you that you will experience the Spirit's input in your thinking and in the things you do. The promise to never leave or forsake you wasn't just a promise for companionship, that God would just be around. The indwelling of the Spirit was given to us to teach us how to live the truth. Not just see it, but be it. We participate in this by being intentional in developing a relationship with the Spirit, talking to the Spirit, making observations with the Spirit, asking the Spirit questions, 
as we're engaging life and others. My job as a pastor is to be a conduit to help you recognize and connect with the Spirit. And then it's my job to step back and to lead us at being a listening community, listening for God together so we together can make the decisions about our next moves and the things that God would have us influence in West Philly, in Philadelphia, in the world to make it better, to sustain the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. So I'll say this again. There are no one-size-fits-all procedures, processes, ways of thinking in our faith journey. Binary thinking will not do. Jesus calls us to deal with the messiness of life. And he has given us guidance from his teachings and the gift of the Spirit to help us along the way. Life is messy. But this we can know. That even in the messiness, if we stay faithful to the guidance God gives, we will be okay. We may get dirty, but if we stay present to God and present to one another, God will help us and we'll clean up our mess. We have much to do. We have much to discuss. In the future, we're going to talk about uh, how we're going to do our book study on Born and uh, Begin Again. And we're going to continue to go after these things because our desire is to be that just community, that city on a hill. And it's not in perfection, but in effort that people see what we're striving to do, that we stay present with one another, that we stay in the game. It's so important. And so I want us to have some guidance in how to do that. And I want us to know of a surety that Jesus taught about life in the messy middle and the binary stuff that you may be getting from your past church experiences, your mom, your dad, your best friend, your spouse, whatever. That's not cool. You're striving to deal honestly in life is cool, even when you mess up, because it's the striving. God is with us, and again, if we stay present to God, and we stay present to each other, God will help us, and we will clean up our mess. Amen? Amen.
There's been you know, so much happening in our world and in our community that um, I just want to take uh, time out to pray, to take a pause um, for us to just together um, just hold up some of these concerns to our, our God who is parent and brother and friend um, who cares about what you're going through and what I'm experiencing. And so let's join together because we care for one another um, in this as well. Our God, thank you so much for the love that you have for us, for the fact that you listen, that you hear us and you hear our needs. We thank you that you are our high priest who understands the things that we go through in life and that you greet us when we come before your throne, that there is grace and mercy to help us in our times of struggle and need, our times of joy and excitement, that you are with us. For that, we thank you. We hold up today the families um, who have experienced loss. Remember Diego, Lord, and ask your blessing over him and his extended family, Lord, and the loss of his brother. Mourning, Lord, doesn't end in a short period of time, but comes in stages. So we ask that you be with them, Lord, and comfort them as they are grieving, they continue to grieve this loss. Lord, we pray for Maggie and her pregnancy, that you would continue to bless her with health and safety. And we just pray, Father, as they are preparing to bring this new addition to their family, that you would show and make way for them. Touch their hearts, Lord. Um, help them to express a need uh, that may be present. And help us as a community to be there for them. Lord God, we remember um, our brother Jeff and ask your your blessing on um, their imaginations and their resources and connections in support of his family member. We pray, O oh God, that 
you would just help all the uh, resources and care that's needed, the transportation needs, Father, be met, and help them to uh, have a sense of closeness as they are caring for their loved one at a distance. Um, I ask that prayer for myself too, Lord, as I, as I care for my mom at, at a distance. I pray for everyone who's going through that. We pray for Chris Uganda's uh, daughter-in-law and the loss of her father, that you would comfort her heart, Lord, that you would um, just be peace and a balm to them. Help them, Lord, to all of us who've experienced loss, Lord, to remember them with joy, even in the midst of our sadness. And we're so thankful, Father, for the positive ways they have engaged our lives and encouraged us. And so help us to hold on to those things. And even in death to forgive the things that need to be forgiven so we can go forward. Um, Father, I pray for all the parents who are with school-aged children. Thank you so much, Lord, uh, that they are getting, have gotten in rhythm and are continuing this journey. I pray, Father, for continued strength and courage as they have got to work, especially our single parents who've got to work and make sure their kids get their education and are safe and in places and spaces where they can get that. I pray for community to surround them as needed to help and assist. Um, and I pray for their relationships with their significant others in this time of such high stress. Lord, that you would help them carve out space to be with one another. Not think about all the stuff, just to be present and to remember the love. Thank you for our community. We ask that you keep us together. Keep us going, Lord. We thank you that you have kept us together for almost a year. Give us the strength we need to continue this. Give us the ideas we need to, to keep, to grow. And not to just pause, but to grow even in the midst of this. Our deepest desire is to really hold Christ at the center and to face him. And to keep moving toward Jesus. Give us the strength, the courage, and the understanding uh, to do this, to dismantle the garbage of our lives and our Christian experience so we can take up the truth of being a follower of Christ. And that in doing this, Lord, um, we can help make this world the place you intended it to be, a good place, a safe place, a whole place. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Civil rights activist James Weldon Johnson wrote Lift Their Voice and Sing as a poem, which was set to music by his brother John Roseman Johnson in 1899. The song is now known as the Black National Anthem in America. It is a protest, a hymn, and a prayer of profound significance for our people. We lift every voice and sing to express ourselves. We lift every voice to show that we have strength in numbers and we will not be silent. We lift every voice and sing to be lifted, liberated, and free. Freedom, the power to determine action without restraint. Freedom, the absence of or release from ties, obligations, or restrictions. Freedom, the ease or facility of movement or action. Freedom frankness or boldness in manner or speech, freedom, a political right. 
Until we are all free, none of us is free. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies
Begin Again by Dr. Eddie Glott, Glott Jr. Um, it is a book that we are using to help guide us in a conversation about what's next in racial uh, justice and um, in the light of our racial and political struggles of this last year, year and a half, or two years actually, more than that. So, but we want a place to begin, something that can anchor us and we can use as a guide that is both honest and a historical reflection. This book, in this book, Eddie looks at the life of James Baldwin and he uses that um, to help us talk about what's next for us. How do we deal with the disappointments and the betrayals that came out of uh, not seeing civil rights be all it could be, not seeing black, uh, uh, the black power movement be all it could be, with not uh, with what we're dealing with now in light of um, make America great and all that stuff, and and how this promise um, and this hope that we have had seems to keep getting beaten and knocked down, and how do we rise back up to embrace the hope again? to begin again, to structure this new way of living, this new way of thinking where people are honored. And so you're invited to join us in this study to wrestle with these issues. Um, we're going to begin on the 23rd of February. I'm trying to decide what's a good time because I want as many people to come as possible. And I'm sensitive to our, our um, members and friends who have young children. So I was gonna start at seven, but now I'm thinking eight, eight fifteen. Could you communicate with me? Could you send me a word or something to let me know, even if you do it below, what works better for you? Can you do an eight, eight fifteen? 
for in honor in honoring the place that some of our our members find themselves as parents and they can put their kids down and join us and participate um, that would be great okay um, and I know it may be a little bit of a struggle but things that are worth anything cost us and we need to you know accept some of that and yeah it's, it might be a pain that we go that means we go from from 8.15 to 9.15 or 9.30 but I can tell you this it's worth it I hope you do I want you to I need you to if we're going to live up to helping Philly be even better we've got to do these kinds of things so again we're going to start on the 23rd with a full group meeting online and then uh, each Tuesday that's a Tuesday each Tuesday after that we will meet we will have um, affinity groups meet first and so on March the 2nd there will be uh, a black people's affinity group and I'm going to put out a little booklet that gives assignments to those who aren't meeting on Tuesday night I love you to pause on Tuesday so that our community is paused Tuesday evening to do these short study exercises in preparation of uh, understanding this book and having a group discussion okay so March 2nd would be the black uh, people's affinity group uh, on March 9th would be the white people's affinity group uh, on the 16th would be Asian people's affinity group and then on the 23rd of March and the 30th of March we'd have full group meetings for full discussions okay I want to get uh, the questions out to you in advance so you have time to consider them as you are studying and working through the material and then we can come in together as affinity groups for discussion and it's a place that's going to be safe it is a safe space for you to talk and work through these complex painful issues and then we can come together uh, as we prepared in our, in our affinity groups. It'll allow us to come prepared, more prepared to our full group discussion. Where the most important thing is staying present to one another with, a, with forgiving, forgiving open listening so we can grow. We are the body of Christ who is called to help allow this kingdom of God to break in. And we've got to do this kind of work, this kind of work, to allow Jesus' vision of the kingdom to come to fruition. I intend to be a part of that. I hope you do too. This is what you called me here for, so let's get to it. Be blessed. Again, get this book. If you don't have it and you need some assistance with getting it, let me know and we're going to get you a copy, okay? This is good stuff. I've enjoyed it reading it. It is like, oh my gosh, it's like oil to my soul and a fire under my backside. We got to get moving. God bless you.